Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hello, welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. And this is the Arts Commission's weekly turn at the microphone here at MPB. And each week we bring you an in-depth discussion with a different creative Mississippian. We talk with artists, musicians, craftspeople, and people that help promote the arts in their community. Today, uh, we're up, we're out of town. It sounds a little bit different on the mics because we are out of town. We are up at the Lynx Center in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. They're the community arts center here where they have all kinds of um, performances, uh, community events. Uh, it's kind of a multi-use facility for the arts and, and community work. And uh, they're one of our grantees, and we appreciate them having us here. And uh, joining me here at the Link Center is Charlie Buckley. Hey, Charlie. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. And Charlie, you're a visual artist based here in Tupelo. Uh, you've been involved in the Arts Commission programs for the past few years. Uh, before we kind of get into your story, maybe tell people a little bit about what you do as an artist. Okay, well, I'm a, a painter, I'm a visual artist, and um, I consider myself a realist, but I, I try to insert some other elements in there into the paintings. Uh, most people in the state would recognize my paintings. Uh, I'm a landscape painter. Um, or I do a lot of architectural work, uh, sort of fantastical structures, um, and I do both uh, gallery representation work and uh, private corporate commission type work, and it can be seen really all over the state. And um, I, I work at I work at home here in Tupelo. Uh, it's the most convenient place for me to work. And uh, most of the paintings are, I, I tell people I either make really big paintings or really small paintings. And I don't, <laughs> I don't much like a medium-sized painting, but uh, that's the scale. Um, so that's where we are. And you are a full-time artist. That's important to point out. Yes, that's right. Um, I, uh, after I finished college, I had the bright idea that I would become a full-time painter at 22. And... Uh, with brief stints in graduate school and uh, and then teaching university, I taught at Mississippi State uh, and at Ole Miss. Uh, I realized that um, being a full time artist uh, was the place for me, and and thankfully, um, this the this community support of Mississippi has uh, allowed that to happen. That's great. That's I mean, that's not too many people that can do that. So. Especially where you're, you're living. Now, you are, you've been in Tupelo for several years, uh, right? Ten years, yes, this year. And you, years. you're a Mississippian, but you're not a native of Tupelo. Correct, yes. Uh, I grew up in a, well, my parents uh, were and are uh, Methodist ministers. And so anybody familiar with that life knows that Methodist ministers move around. Um, and so uh, we started in Texas. My, my father's from Nebraska, and my mother is from, she grew up in Oxford. And um, so we started in Texas. And then uh, when I was seven or eight, we moved to Mississippi uh, to a town right in the center of the state, Newton, Mississippi, in between Jackson and Meridian. And uh, that's where I stayed through elementary school and middle school. And then, um, and that's where I started uh, learning art as well in Newton um, from a 
great, wonderful teacher named Dottie Armstrong who taught, she was a high school art teacher, but she taught after school lessons um, in her classroom. And so I started there and um, she just got me interested in in being a a creative person. And then in high school, we moved to DeSoto County um, where I I learned, you know, I, I took high school art classes and from uh from my friend john chapman and uh and moved on to college from there very good and from talking to you in the past i remember you uh you had an interesting kind of origin story as an artist kind of the the very first um maybe not that original but you know for for people in your generation kind of watching television oh, and, right. and seeing a guy on there that... <laughs> it's funny my my daughter asked me if i was going to mention bob ross um <laughs> and he and, was but he was right. that was a, a something that kind of pushed you that way absolutely right? or, so you know I, I i tell people that uh bob ross is a terrible painter was a terrible painter but an incredible inspiration and um i loved watching his program on uh MPB, I guess it, ETV back in the day. And um, uh, my brother, I, I, whenever it would come on, uh, especially in the summertime, you know, you're watching summertime television, Price is Right and Chips. <laughs> and uh, But we'd always turn it to Bob Ross and, and he loved watching it too. And um, I just, I loved watching those landscapes come together um, in 28 minutes or so. And, uh, and I always wanted to, honestly, I wanted to be a landscape painter, uh, after that. Now I, I learned to not paint like Bob Ross, cause that is not how one should paint. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I, I have a little Bob Ross bobblehead on my, uh, tabaret where I mix my paints on my palette. And, uh, he is a, a constant presence. And every now and then I'll get on Netflix and, and, uh, and watch him just to, just to remember that uh, soothing, <laughs> soothing time in front of the TV. Yeah, I'm going to say he's definitely, uh, t- these days you tune, turn him on in the late afternoon and sit and watch. He'll lull you to sleep That's very right. quickly. That's right. He will, he will yes, he'll, you can take a nap. <laughs> well, so talk a little bit about that initial, those initial years with the teacher in Newton. Like what did, what did she teach you and how did it kind of st- Uh, get you ready for kind of moving forward well I think um, the most important part at that age is to is to all kids are creative in some sense and 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 there is a drive and I have an eight-year-old and I see it in her and my nephews and nieces and um, it at a you have to harness that creativity and tell tell a child that it's it's okay to be creative it's 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 good and responsible to be creative and you have to understand what you're what you're good at what you can be creative at and so i was always interested in making things and i was always you know tearing things apart and putting them back together and and uh dotty armstrong sort of harnessed uh that ability and and showed me you know what i could do with it she taught me to draw and she taught me she, she taught me to paint and um you know, eventually I'd been taking her classes so long, she just sort of let me do what I was going to do. And um, it, I was painting landscapes at, uh, you know, fourth or fifth grade. Um, and uh, she would guide me. I, if, if you ever go to Newton, uh, she has the most incredible holiday decorations, Easter, Christmas. She and her husband will make these fantastic um uh, 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 wooden cutouts of a nativity scene or Easter bunny or any, anything like that. And, and I was just fascinated by just 
they just have an idea and they would do it. And, and that's what I've always tried to do in my life. Cause I'm, I'm a painter, but I, I'm just always trying to think of other creative outlets, you know, physically making something. That's my hobby, I guess, just making stuff. You're listening to the Arts Hour. Our guest today is Charlie Buckley, a painter from Tupelo. We're up in the Lynx Center talking with him today in, in, uh, in central Tupelo. Um, well, so as I'm just curious, as a kid, were you, was this a, was drawing and painting like a daily kind of activity? Did you have like a kind of an internal drive to do it beyond just going to the lessons? Uh, yes, yes. Um, and it, it's something I definitely did every day and I, I, I wanted to get better. You know, it was, it was, and we're, we're sort of having that, uh, conversation right now with our child is like, you've, we're trying to find the one thing that she, not only does she want to do, but she wants to challenge herself with. And so I, I think I found that pretty early because when I, when I picked it up, it was something that I could, I could notice things in other people's work that uh, that I, I I knew I couldn't do at the at the time, and so I would just try to to figure that out. And um, I, I you know I feel like I sort of naturally picked up on it, but there was also that inner drive um, to you know develop new techniques or to figure out how to draw something. Um, I was sort of fascinated with perspective when I was in elementary school, trying to figure out how lines converged and why they did that. And, and, um, so yeah, there was definitely a, a, a natural drive to improve, you know, the quality of, of what I was doing. Were you known as the drawing kid? Did oh people, yeah. People make oh, you yeah. draw like uh, hot rods and stuff. For yes. Them? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that, still, you know, Hey, can you draw this? <laughs> Obviously. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that was me is the, is the kid. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So when you moved to DeSoto County, you were able to get some, there was some additional kind of art training that you got in the high school there? Oh, sure. Yeah. We had a great art program in, in Olive Branch, uh, where I went to high school. Um, uh, John Chapman was our teacher and he was, he's a fantastic guy. And, and, um, and then, uh, I guess when I was a senior, they, they built the, the AP art class it was the 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 first time it had been offered in the in the state i believe um and so they they brought in a a a team teacher and so bill hicks came in and the the combo of the both of them um taught me um a lot more about painting gestural drawing uh and just sort of capturing the moment of of a scene and, uh, you know, my, that, that was sort of a seminal moment in my artistic career, I guess, as a 16, 17 year old, um, learning, uh, these specific techniques about, you know, late 19th century, early 20th century style paintings uh, of painting, um, and still not being that good at it, but just, I was able to, it helped my brain process color and space and form, uh, in a different way. And so that, that AP class as a high school student and both of those teachers together was uh, an incredible experience uh, for really all, all of a, a number of us have gone on from that from that first class. A number of us have gone on to have careers in in art making in different different forms. You know? That's awesome. 
Do you feel like it kind of set you up then because you went and studied art at University of Mississippi? Correct. Yes. I, I felt very prepared uh, to study art. And, and, and you know, it's, it's funny. I was um, I was in the band in high school and I was in the band at Ole Miss. And I always thought I was a great trumpet player. And then when I got to Ole Miss, I realized, well, I'm really not that good. <laughs> There's some other people my age that are miles beyond me. But going into the art classes, I felt incredibly prepared and competent um, in the course of study and, and what my peers were doing. And, um, and so I was grateful for that, that preparation, um, and the program that I had that, you know, frankly, other, other students in Mississippi might not have had the opportunity to, to have. For sure. For yeah. sure. Um, at University of Mississippi, I know that, um, in our, in a previous discussion we had, we talked about kind of there was like an uh, entrepreneurial element in the art department, giving you the opportunity, you know, not only training, but kind of getting a chance to, to sell your work in the community. Right, right. They would have uh, sales, I guess, two times a year, Christmas and, and you know, maybe a spring sale. And um, I, I, it, it, gave, it gave us opportunities to see what the public wanted. And it was a good training uh, training run because as a as a professional artist, um, you have to understand your market. Uh, you have to have a market. And you have to understand your market, and so that were that was the beginning of understanding what prospective clients would want. And out of that, I would have uh, community members, professors uh, in other departments ask me to do commission work while I was in college, and so. Um, because of those experiences, I was able to create a, uh, or, uh, you know, understand how to interact with, with prospective clients, how to give them what they want while still sort of, you know, maintaining an artistic integrity, I guess. Um, and so those were, those were really great experiences. And, uh, the, the, the art program sort of, if you had a, say you had a project for a individual client, and it wasn't necessarily part of the curriculum that they were going after. They would still, you know, your professors would give you critiques. They would tell you what you were doing wrong, how you, how you could work that project better, how to make your client happier. Um, and so they knew we were going out into the world and that we were going to have to struggle to figure out how this strange business works. And so, um, yeah, it was a Ox, being in Oxford as a young artist was a great uh, opportunity because the people there were interested in the arts, interested in the visual arts and all kinds of other art, and they were um, happy to support young artists. Um, and and honestly, I, you know, if, if I were somewhere else, um, I, I just I don't think I would have um, gotten that sort of uh, community love, you know, from people that just wanted they wanted artists to be better and, they, and improve. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app.
no matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Charlie Buckley. He's a painter in Tupelo, and we're visiting with him at the Link Center in, uh, in Tupelo as well. Um, so it sounds like kind of the experience that was in, in, uh, in university really kind of propelled you to your decision to kind of put your shingle out there. Right. It was, uh, it was, um, it seemed natural at the time to graduate and become a full-time artist. Like when you're 22 years old, you don't have that many fears. And, uh, now I'm 37. I would be terrified to go out on my own at this age. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> my wife and I got married right after college, and she, uh, Amber, got a uh, job teaching at Holly Springs High School, and so we stayed in Oxford for three years, and she had a job with a with a salary, you know, a check coming in every two weeks. And, and she was just, you know, said, yeah, you do this, you make this work. And, and so, um, that support from her and, uh, and, and then the support from the community, it just allowed me to, to figure out how to make this work. And I, I, I put my name out there as a, a portrait artist and, uh, which, uh, I don't regret because it helped me <laughs> form this career, but I, I was not that great, and I'm willing, happily willing to admit that I was not that great at it. Uh, I painted children and, uh, you know, some some sort of corporate style uh, portrait uh, portraits of uh, men in suits, and they were good. They were fine, you know. But but I, my friend Jason Bolden um, was sort of my mentor. He's more of a friend, but he's. Uh, He's the master. Na- he's a master yeah. portrait artist. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to be like Jason. And, you know, after just a little bit, I, I, there's, I can't be like Jason at all. And so I'd go to his studio and I'd see these portraits. And I'm like, this is, why am I doing this? I, you know, so, um, but, but it was an avenue for me to paint and make a living. And then gradually over the course of those, we were in Oxford for three years before graduate school, I... I started doing landscapes. I started doing architectural paintings, and I found out I was really good at that. And uh, and I also do, did some experimental sort of sculptural bas-relief type work. Um, but uh, that's – you just sort of have to – at that age, in any age really, you've got to feel your way around what you're doing to figure out, you know, what you can and can't do and what is positive and negative about – your career and, and how to, how to fix it. And so, um, I just sort of, you know, threw darts at the wall until I got something that worked. And, and I am, you know, every day I'm thankful for those early clients that, you know, put faith in me to either paint their children or, you know, paint their, uh, paint a landscape for them or anything, because those, those early people gave me the confidence and the money (laughs) to keep, to keep doing this and to, um, not have to pursue a different, uh, a different career at that, at that young age. So that was really, really formative. And I, I honestly think that if I would have 
decided to get a job during the daytime and paint at night or something like that, then I, I just simply wouldn't have had the, the courage and fortitude to make this decision, you know, later in life to not teach university and, and do this full time. Well, is it, and I just also wonder about just, and you mentioned this before, but just the environment of Oxford as that being a possibility. Like there's Jason Bolden, who's right. a, you just can meet where, you know, mm-hmm. walk to the hardware store and see Jason Bolden mm-hmm. and he's doing it. So right. you had so many, uh, unlike many other places, you had all those examples, right. know, just people doing their own thing. That, right. Well, so. and I, I tell people all the time that in Oxford, you've got one of the best uh, figurative sculptors in the country in Bill Beckwith. You've got one of the best photorealists in the country in Glenn Ray Tudor and one of the best portrait artists in the country in Jason. Um, and then you've got Jerry Allen, who is all over the place. I don't know how to categorize him, you know. And so you've got this cadre of, of artists who all these uh, um, uh, young people come to school and at Ole Miss can um, just look up to and, and go. They can run into him at the store or in a restaurant or at the gallery, or they'll come to the university to support the young artists there. Uh, it's it's just it's a great you know, the town is small, but it's full of brilliant and interesting people who are happy and willing to help. And people doing the work, too, not just talking right. about it. You know, Absolutely. Like kind of getting in there and showing you that right. it's a lot of work. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. They all, uh, their noses are to the grindstone every day. It's not a, <laughs> it is not a, um, a glamorous lifestyle. It is a, you know, I tell people that um, being an artist is a blue collar job with a, uh, a, a, a black, with a black tie event about twice a year. <laughs> you keep the tux in the, in the closet. Yeah, right. <laughs> most days it's a, a flannel shirt. That's right. That's right. Well, well just, so why don't we just skip around here and just maybe talk about, talk about your day or your week, kind of your work week or your work day and how that, right. how it works okay. out. Uh, I, <laughs> I tell, I tell people, young people, I'm, you know, young people, but I tell people that, uh, there's that uh, hip hop song every day I'm hustling, and I sort of feel like that whenever I go into my studio because I have to I have to work all day every day, and I I have to continually make new clients, new connections, and I have to push the art. I have to make sure that the art is staying fresh, that it's staying interesting, and that I am staying personally interested and invested in the artwork because if I'm bored with the work or if I'm not, if I'm, cause I want to continue to improve. I want to continue to, uh, evolve the work. I, 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 I don't just want to become a better draftsman or a better painter of form. I want to, I want to push the imagery further. I want to, I want to know that I can create a new pattern or a new texture or, uh, a, a new subject matter, uh, in the paintings. And so, you know, every, Every few months, I try to change things up a bit as I feel like I'm getting too comfortable or I'm getting um, the paintings are getting a little too stale. I try to inject some new life. Uh, I don't want to get to a point where I'm making the same painting with the same techniques over and over again. But I, you know, I work from, you know, eight to probably around eight to four, eight to five every day. And then I I go and work at night some and, um, you know, the weekends, depending on, you know, your deadlines and schedules and stuff. Um, 
I, and I have my painting studio and then I have a wood shop cause I make all my panels and all my frames, uh, myself. And, um, and then I travel, uh, to meet with clients and to meet with my galleries and, uh, just to, you know, I have to deliver paintings. I have to have, you know, sometimes meet with individuals and sometimes have be in a corporate environment where I'm meeting a, a, a group of, of people at a, you know, hospital or a bank or, uh, whatever the institution is. And, um, so that's, that's what I do. But the vast majority of time I'm, I've got my apron on and I'm, I'm slapping paint around. You're listening to the Arts Hour at MPB. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Charlie Buckley. He's a painter, lives in Tupelo, and we're talking with him at the Lynx Center in Tupelo. Um, we'll, we'll talk about, um, you said, you know, you have to stay interested in your work in order for it to progress. So what are ways that you make sure that you don't kind of get into the rut of just cranking things out? Right. Um, well, I, uh, I'm always in search of new textures and patterns so um when when people see my paintings from far away they they look uh pretty photorealistic um and and when they come up close to them they realize they're they're pretty they they get pretty loose get pretty chunky and there's there's also these tidbits of strange information buried in the surface so i use a lot of pattern work a lot of halftone dots and and linear elements and uh, maps. I'll, I'll silkscreen maps into the image. And then I use a lot of uh, letters, transferable letters. I use uh, stickers. I'll put stickers of uh, letters or numbers in there. Uh, I use a lot of spray paint to create a texture in the paintings. Um, and you can't see any of that from far away. Uh, like I said, from far away, these paintings look, they look real. They, they, yeah. they look like they're photographs, but... Um, so for me, the the goal is to to always keep that surface as interesting as possible, and like I my my goal is, and this is how I this is how I keep keep on going is my goal is to create an image that looks as real as these from far away, and that as you approach them, there's no paint whatsoever on them. It's just it's just a series of layered of layered textures and surfaces and and letters or numbers or whatever, and they're just all piled together. Um, on top of one another to create this sort of pixelated image that stepping back is vibrant and alive and 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 looks like some type of image. Uh, but I also do a lot of layering of images. So so right now I'm I'm doing a project for the uh, the new children's hospital that's being built at the university uh, hospital, the Ole Miss University of Mississippi Medical Center. Uh, they're building the new tower and. I'm doing I'm doing a series of six paintings for them where we're layering uh, uh, line paintings where you have multicolored lines in the background with with architecture and with floral patterns and with uh, butterflies and birds which are um, sort of their um, not a mascot but they're using that imagery throughout the hospital right uh, for the children and so we're we're layering multiple multiple types of imagery on top of one another to create these really dynamic images that sort of you can um weave weave your eyes through because they're they're so complex and they they're very deep you know visually they're they're deep images and so you know i i was working on those um the other day and thinking i need to i need to transfer this type of image making into the landscape work because i can i can take a landscape this is a very complex image I can make a landscape just as complex and it's not just, you know, sky, tree line, field. 
um, I can surround it with these floral patterns or have these linear elements come in and come out. Um, and so, whereas a few years ago, I was just doing straightforward landscapes. Now I'm able to build images that um, are far more complex, but still from far away look look very real. And, and that's important in that I've, I've found that uh, that's what I like and that's what my clients like is they want that uh, they want the image to look like your you know traditional southern landscape or whatever region we're working from but they also want it to be interesting and complex and something that they can look at every day and find something different about it uh, come up close to it and explore it explore the surface and find little little easter eggs that I've hidden within the image Kind of thinking along those lines when you're talking about this, the the commission for for the medical center, um, are you these layers? Is that part of the process of of talking to them? Or are you presenting like an idea and you're experimenting with it? Are they are they are they collaborators with you in terms of like what's the underlayment of of images going to be that? Right. Get get us to these these bigger. Well, images. it's a, you know when you when you walk into a, a situation like that, the people your clients have a they have an idea of what they want, but but they're not artists and so they can't uh, they can't verbalize what they can see in their head, and I have to take that information. I have to take their ideas, and and they know what my artwork looks like. They know what I can do, and so I have to fuse that idea that they have given me with my methods and my techniques and my sensibility as an artist. And so uh, when I come back and present them an image, it might not be what they've had in their mind, but it is a synthesis of what I have heard from them and what I think that they need for their situation. Because that's what they're coming to you for. You know, as the expert, as the professional, it's not your responsibility to dutifully recreate what they have told you. You have, you're, you know, as an artist, you have to, to understand, you have to understand the parameters of the project, but you also have to know that this is your work. Uh, and they're coming to you because of, you know, some specific reason of how you make artwork. Um, so, uh, and that's something that I think a lot of, uh, young artists might not, know yet because they just haven't had that experience but um you know it's it's your responsibility as an, as an artist to help your client come to an understanding between the two of you are you bringing them actual drawings or something rendered on a computer or? right i i do the vast majority of my sketching on the computer nowadays um it's far more convenient uh it's more powerful and uh, you can do a lot more with it and you can change it. You know, the great thing about, I use Photoshop for everything. And, you know, I, I have sometimes my paintings have, or my images have 50 layers on Photoshop. And I can manipulate each individual layer. And if they, if they like something but they don't like something else, we can just take it out. I can change the color immediately. And um, so Photoshop for me is the the uh great tool of the age <laughs> um and uh i it's invaluable to me honestly <laughs> right. this is not an ad for photoshop but uh it's great the process the process yeah. right 
This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey. Our guest today is Charlie Buckley. He's a painter based in Tupelo, and we're visiting with him at the Link Center in Tupelo, the Arts Center up here in the main part of town. Um, now, you work here in Tupelo, but you you really are a regional artist in terms of and and for folks that aren't kind of in the visual arts, mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff has happened. You know, working artists are a lot of them are primarily represented by ga- commercial right. galleries. Right. Their work is, you know, you might show your work at museums or mm-hmm. local arts festivals. But in terms of the way you operate, it's 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 through the gallery system. And so maybe tell people first kind of where people could see your work on a regular basis okay. and and a little bit about how that fits into your overall work. Right. So a lot of people can confuse galleries and museums. And then I have shown at uh, museums a number of times, including the Mississippi Museum of Art. Um, but my my main um, uh, partnership, I guess is better, better word, would be uh, with Southside Gallery in Oxford and Fisher Gallery, Fisher Galleries in Jackson. And um, so I've been with Southside for, oh, I don't know, 12 years, 15 years, I don't know. Some We've been together for a while, <laughs> and and it's a relationship. So the gallery, you know, galleries are owned by the gallery owners, in this case, Vicki Cook and, and Will Cook, and and they represent you. And so um, they, they are marketers. They help build your career. Um, and it's, it's a real partnership, uh, that you build with your gallerist. And so, um, Will Cook at Southside has been excellent. He, he gave me my first real gallery show. Um, and then, uh, when we moved back to Mississippi after graduate school in Ohio in 2009, um, I got picked up by what well, first by 119 in Jackson. And then, uh, a few years later by Fisher Galleries with Marcy Nessel. And Marcy is a class act. She is amazing. And Jackson is incredibly lucky to have her. And and um, so I've been with her for a number of years. And we are, I I, I consider her indispensable <laughs> to my life. Um, and she's, uh, she's just helped me in the Jackson market and in the central Mississippi market in general. She's helped me with uh, museum connections and various other things. And uh, we, we have shows generally with both of them we usually have shows every other year so i'll have a show at Southside, and then i'll have a show in jackson 
Uh, and then I have relationships with people in Arkansas, in, in Little Rock, and then in Nashville. Um, and I, I work with them less frequently, but but those uh, galleries are there working with me. But my main hubs are Fisher and Jackson and, and Southside and Oxford. And what do you learn from them as an artist? What do you, how, you, how is it help, you know, I know they're connecting you with buyers and they're putting your work out, but they right. also are kind of, in the mix all the sure. time so they can have suggestions to you and right. recommendations. Well, one of the great things about being in a gallery is that you're constantly seeing other people's work. And so as a as a guy who spends all day in a studio by himself listening to podcasts, uh, it's very helpful when I deliver a painting um, to Marcy or, or Will, I go in and I'll see, I'll see Richard Kelso's show, which is just one of the most inspirational things that I could come across or I'll go in Southside and I'll see a Carlisle Wolf show or a Jerry Allen show. And I, I can just end up staying, I, you know, I've going to drop off a painting. I'll end up staying there for two hours. Um, and so it's a constant rotation of talent and, and wisdom from these artists. And then the galleries themselves, um, they can help you, you know, you, you're the artist, but they are helping you develop your, style your techniques because they can tell you what works and what doesn't work they are your they're your biggest critics because they have a vested interest in you and they want you to do well and so if i bring something to marcy she she will tell me if it's and i already know this but she will be she will tell me if it's not good enough and that's what we as artists crave um because her role as a gallerist is to um well, it's to sell paintings and it, you know, at the end of the day, but she wants desperately and Will does too. She wants her artists to be as good as they possibly can. And, you know, ever since we're out of school and we don't have those professors hovering over us anymore, they're sort of, you know, surrogate professors at some, on some level because they're, they're criticizing your work and that's necessary. A lot of people steer away from criticism, but I mean, we need it. Well, but I guess that you know that they're advocates for right. you, so you know the criticism is coming from a a a a, a, a hope to boost you up, Absolutely. not to knock you down. Absolutely, yeah. no, they they are they're for sure advocates, and they they want us to be as good as we possibly can. Yeah. And they help with uh, I've I've just learned you know business business techniques and and uh, uh, pricing points and stuff. And and without my galleries that I work with, I just I know I would not be where I am as a professional artist right now. I could not do this on my own. There are artists out there that, that work without galleries, work totally on commission or whatever. I don't have the, uh, the, the business brain uh, to do that. I, 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 need, I need people in my, in my uh, corner, you know. That's great. Um, before, we get, before we get too far into it, we, I did want to talk maybe just we could you have a, a number of different series that you've been kind of working right. over the series of, of uh, related work that, 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 that thematically. And one that kind of comes to mind right now where Mississippi is experiencing flooding is that you have this flooded field series that right. you've been doing the last, what, last two or three years maybe. Yeah, I'd say yeah. Two, two, yeah, two or three. So they're big, they're landscapes, but you right. talk a little bit about yeah. the kind of so genesis of that. We, we go to the Delta fairly often. I go to take pictures and, um, and it, I've just noticed more and more so much water in the fields. And it's, I, as a landscape painter, it's my job to respond to what I see in the land. And so uh, over the past few years, I, I, I've started um, 
painting what I just call them floods or flooded fields, um, where it's just a, a tree line that is reflected in water. Um, and you know, there's sort of abstract things that happen in the foreground and they've gotten more complex, but, uh, it's just a, it's a commentary on, on contemporary landscapes that I'm seeing. And uh, I've been getting pictures all week from friends in Jackson showing me, Hey, this looks like one of your paintings, you know, and, uh, the floods, they keep coming. They're becoming more and more, uh, uh, some places permanent, you know, um, in some of these low lying fields. And it's, uh, it's something that I've seen more and more. And I've, I've, I find a beauty in them. They are, they can be I, I, destructively beautiful, you know, especially when the water is serene and calm and you've got that perfect mirror image of a, of a, of a broken up tree line uh, or a beautiful sunset coming in behind. And recently I've been doing these uh, starry night paintings with the flood. So you've got a reflection of the stars uh, in the water below. Um, and I, I know they're not good for anybody, um, but as a landscape painter, uh, I think it's my duty to paint them and to find that sort of uh, romantic, uh, in the, the classical romantic sense, uh, beauty in um, in these in these images. Uh, so yeah, I I I, I I'm going to continue to do them. I've I've just finished one that I'm going to deliver to a gallery, and I've got some ideas of how I can uh, push it further. You're listening to the Art Sour. Our guest today is Charlie Buckley. He's a painter based in Tupelo. Um, another series that that you, you've become fairly well known for is your Stacked House series, right? And that is also, while on first glance people think, "Oh, what a kind of whimsical kind of thing," but it actually it it's, has a genesis in in kind of environmental right. problems That's as right. well. So yeah, I started thinking about these because of the floods, and uh, I thought, well, you know, what will happen to Southern architecture if we continue to get this this water? every spring and, and well really every season now and so I started thinking about those the houses on the coast where they're built on stilts and then I started thinking about uh, placing houses on top of each other and then uh, so I did a few and they kept got, getting more and more complex where I'm I'm, I'm painting southern vernacular architecture uh, and stacking them one on top of the other, making these massive hulks of architecture and then you start to get into sort of social stratification where you know uh, at what point do the smaller houses, the shotgun houses, the rundown houses, where do they fit on the hierarchy of height, you know, and where do the larger houses fit? And, and so I, I did that series continued and, and then it became a, 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 a avenue for me to explore history. And so uh, they, they've, they've taken on a whole life of their own now, these stacks. And so recently I did a, uh, a stack series of Mississippi writers where I have, uh, you know, Roanoke and, and Eudora Welty's house and Willie Morris's house and Tennessee Williams and Ida B. Wells. Uh, and I stacked them all on top of one another. And, um, and that, that was actually chosen for the um, Mississippi Book Festival for 2020. Um, and and then I did a Mississippi history stack where we took these images from these architecture or buildings and signs and different things from all over the state of Mississippi and piled them up into this huge tower of 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 stuff and uh, and that's in the West in in Jackson um, and uh, so I you know this happens in art or in, you know all the time where one little kernel of an idea from from one thing will will just morph into this 
totally different uh, uh, avenue that, that you had no idea even existed until you just opened that door a little bit and then you realize, well, there's a whole street down here that I can go down. And um, it, happens, it happens all the time. And I was just lucky enough to sort of discover that, that uh, imagery that, that worked for what I was dealing with at the time. So, you know, you brought a, a poster of one of them, and so it's reminding me, you know, they're uh, unlike the, um, different from kind of your natural stuff that has a, a kind of a lot of um, uh, abstraction to it. This, you, you seem to be a student of architecture, too, because, you know, the different styles, you get a lot of the detail of the of the facade of the house and that. And, right. and so they're very recognizable, like, oh, that's the, oh, you could almost pick a house out and say, oh, that's in Bellhaven, or right. that's... In, in North Greenwood or, right. you know, that kind of thing. Right. Let's talk yeah. a little about that. I, I love architecture. I, when I was a younger, when I was a kid, I, I wanted to be an architect. And um, it, it's just something I didn't pursue. But I love buildings and, and I, I love um, certain styles of architecture. I like Victorian and Queen Anne's and, and arts and crafts bungalows. And, um, and I just, I appreciate them. I also uh, like, you know, working on my house, you know, just doing projects around the house. And so I'm always just admiring architecture. Um, and it's, it's, it is a point of contention in my art because the, when you paint a building, it's a lot different than painting a landscape. Uh, and I'm trying to, it's, it's a constant push and pull between how do I, how do I get that quality of painting that I can get in a treescape or a, a flooded field or something into that really rigid, uh, structure of a building. And so, uh, I'm actually attempting to do that right now with this series that I'm doing for the hospital. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes, but, um, I'd like to loosen up, but you know, when you're doing a, a, a bunch of buildings that have a lot of 90 degree angles, it's, it's hard to, to, you know, get, uh, get on the other side of the brain to loosen it up. Right. What, what stuff do you have coming up that maybe people want to come out and see your work? Yeah, what? sure. So, um, so in March of this year, right now, there is a landscape show at, at Southside. It's a group show. Will's been doing more group shows. Um, and so I've got two large scale, um, paintings. One's a six and a half foot treescape. The other is a large flood, uh, starry night flood. Uh, and that's up right now. And then in August, um, because of the poster being chosen for the book festival, we're going to have a, um, a, an exhibit at Marcy's Gallery, at Fisher Galleries in Jackson, of stacks and landscapes, uh, sort of to pair it with the events during the book festival. And then um, every every other April, I have a show at Southside for the, that month, and it coincides with Double Decker. So a year from April, which is not that long for an artist, it, right? you know, cause it takes us a long time to get these. I'm already stressing about it. So a year from April, I'll have a show at Southside and, uh, mark your calendars, right? Mark your yeah. So, and then, um, and then there is a, uh, Joseph Simpson at the Weston has, uh, two paintings of mine on constant display. And he's built an incredible collection of other artists, Bill Dunlap, William Goodman, Glenn Ray Tudor, um, just a number of, of, of artists and everybody it's right next to the Mississippi museum of art. So you can go there and see my work at any time. I've got the Mississippi history stack and then a, a Jackson flood. <laughs> I've, I've flooded downtown Jackson in a painting that he has in his restaurant down there. 
Um, and then my friend, uh, uh, my friends, Ray Scott and Sonia Miller have their restaurants in Jackson, fine and dandy. Uh, and, uh, you can see my paintings there too, at any time. Oh, so excellent. They, they're also a young, young couple that are really supportive of, of the arts in Mississippi. Excellent. We, thankfully we live in a state where everybody wants to help everybody, but this state believes in the arts. I mean, honestly, more than any other place in the country, in my humble opinion. <laughs> and, and so I just think we're all grateful to live here and, and be supported by the community. That's great. Charlie, thanks so much for joining Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Thank you, too. If you've missed part of this show today and you want to listen back or you want to share it with a friend, you can go to the MPV website, mpvonline.org. They post all our past shows as streaming files. Or if you are a podcaster, you'd like to listen to podcasts, check us out. Go subscribe at your favorite podcast app to the Arts Hour. Until next time, we'll be seeing you around. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting platform.